the five years ago, I remember we shared this this morning up in the office. I was sitting on this back parking lot showing off to some students, and I took a disc because I like to play disc golf, and I launched it from the fountain, and it curved around, and it went through Pastor Steve and Karen's bedroom window and broke their window the first week I was here. And five years later, they allow me to still be here. I don't break as many things, but it's an honor to be here, Pastor Steve and Karen, and to serve with you here at the church. It truly is a blessing. Um, how many of you guys have iPhones? How many have Androids? <laughs> how many of you guys on your phones, you set alarms? We have alarm people. I think that's one of the best apps, if you will, setting alarm to help you remind, uh, remind you of things and when to get up and when to take pills and appointments and all of that kind of stuff. And I found some alarms I want to go through and see if you can relate to any of these. We have the average alarm, 6.30 on the weekdays, 9.30 in the weekends. Does this apply to anybody? Or you wish it would apply to you? All right, how about this next one? The procrastinator's alarm. This is all students over here. 6.30, 6.40, 6.50, you're late. Procrastinator's alarm. How about the next one? The encourager's alarm. You is kind. You is smart. You is important. You is going to be late. <clears throat> the encourager alarm. The French toast alarm. I just put this up there because I like French toast. At 7.37, it's going to go off. You'd have time for a short shower and French toast. Anybody get down with some French toast? That's good. All right, next alarm. The teacher's alarm. Where are the teachers at? We have a few teachers in here. 5.30, why are you up this early? 6.25 school, 9, everyday stuff. And 11, just make sure that you're alive. Here you're setting that alarm. The pastor's alarm. Mm, hallelujah. 5 a.m., get up and pray. 5.30, really, get up and pray. 6, are you praying yet? 6.30, do it already. Do it already, the pastor's alarm. The mom's alarm. God bless all you mothers out there. God bless you. 1 a.m., feed the baby. 2.30, change the baby. 4, check on the baby. 6.30, you got to wake up your husband. 7, then you wake up all your other children. You have no time to sleep for yourselves. God bless you mothers. Next, the fisherman alarm. Where's, where's Miss Rose? Here we go. On a fishing weekend, you're getting up at 2.27 a.m. All other days, you know, 7 and 10. But fishing, it's 2.27. Testify right there. All right, next, the student's alarm. School year, uh, 6.30. Get up and pop the pimple already. 7 a.m., your hair is going to be in a bun this kind of day. And during the summer, 3 p.m., you're wondering, why am I up so early? I just don't get it. The beauty contestant alarm, 5.45. You're going to look cute. 6.10. Uh, okay, 620, you have no chance. You have no chance of looking decent. The college student alarm. I don't need to say anything about that. There you go. So I want to show you this picture. Which one are you in the morning? Are you this one? Are you this one? How many say you're this one? You all lie. <laughs> Bunch of liars. We have alarms on our phone. We have alarms that, that remind us. They wake, it, they wake us up. And it's important that we have those or else we would miss appointments and we would do this and we'd miss that and all of that kind of stuff. I want to encourage you this morning that we want to set some alarms in our lives so that we are awakened 
by Jesus. Jesus needs to wake up some things in us. Maybe some things we have forgotten that we need Jesus to remind us of. Maybe some things that were once uh, alive in us, but now they're sleeping. Maybe some things are in us that are dead that need to be resurrected. This morning, I want to encourage you to wake up. We've been, pray, we've been worshiping about a fire. We've been asking God to send his fire and send revival. And it's, it's got to be more than just a song. We're going to ask Jesus to wake us up, to bring life to the dead things. And John chapter 11, a great story. And I just want to read verse 11 right now. It says, our friend Lazarus, this is Jesus talking. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you for all that you've already done in this place. God, we count it a privilege to be in your presence, and I ask, God, that you would anoint this word, Father, that you would open our hearts and open our ears to receive what you would have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you remember when you first started dating your spouse or you that first relationship, you tried to impress them a lot? You were passionate and excited about trying to impress them. I know I was trying to impress Sonny, and so when I would get to church, I would put on some fancy clothes. I'd make sure my breath is on point, that I had, you know, no stains. And, um, and I still try to do that, but not so much anymore. And my breath is not always on point when it comes to her. My clothes are not always on iron and not, and she understands that she still loves me. But you know what? I want that awakened in me because I want to impress my bride. I want to, I want to do the very best I can to impress her. Um, you guys remember your first car? Anybody remember your first car? My first car, I, I remember washing it. It was, it was dirty and ugly, but it was my first car. Washing it and waxing it, you always had it clean on the inside. Nobody could eat in it. But now, your car, you have enough french fries in the back seat, you can complete a couple Happy Meals. And you pray that it rains just to wipe it off, make it clean. We've lost our passion to keep our cars clean. We've lost our passion to keep our breath fresh for our spouses. We've got to regain some passion. And all the ladies say amen. Mm. God wants to awaken some things in us. He wants to breathe some new life into us. And the story I want to go to today is in John chapter 11. 11 and it's the story of Lazarus. And I want you to follow along. Starting in verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and Martha, her sister. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the man of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. I want to skip down to verse 11. It says this, after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. He goes to awaken him. Let me ask you a few things. Do you need some, some um, Jesus to come and to awaken you this morning? Do you need Jesus to come and, and awaken the things that you do? How about the time that you have in the Word? Are you spending time in the Word? Is it coming to life to you? Are you meditating on Do you need Jesus to come and refresh that for you, renew that for you? Because there is power in this book, church. 
We need to be hungry for the word of God. Maybe we have lost that. How about your compassion for others? Are you compassionate toward other people? Compassionate about what they're going through? Or you just say, you know, I, I understand you're going through this. I'll pray for you. And then you just walk off and you never pray for them. Once you stop what you're doing and pray for them right then and there. We need to regain some compassion for other people, for the lost. Because after all, Jesus was compassionate for us. He pulled us up out of the miry clay. He extended mercy and grace to you and to me. So we need to be looking for those opportunities to show compassion to the lost people, to show compassion to other people. How about your hunger for your spiritual gifts? Are you hungry for that? Are you asking God for spiritual gifts? Are you asking God to stretch you? Are you asking God, God, give me a word for the church. Give me a word for the ministry. Give me a word for my spouse. Give me a word for my family. God, would you help me to grow in my heavenly language? God, would you give me prophecy? Would you give me wisdom? Have you asked him for any of this? Are you hungry for the spiritual gifts? As I was praying and, and just going over my message last night, it, the Lord really convicted me. And he said, you know, when's the last time you asked? I said, wow, okay. Kaboom, he got me. And so I'm like, Lord, I want, I want to have words for my wife. I want to have a word for the youth. I want to have a word for the church. I, I want to be growing in my spiritual gifts. I want to be stretched in my spiritual gifts. God stretched that in me where it was once dead, you know, where it once was alive and now it's dead. Grow that back. Renew that in me. How about the lost? Are you passionate about the lost? Have you lost your passion? Or do you care that people are, are beside you day in, day out, that are on their way to hell? Do you care anymore? Are you looking for those opportunities to share, your, to share the love of Jesus? Or are you worried about your reputation? How about your prayer life? Is that on point? Are you praying? Do you have a routine? Are you praying with your family? Are you praying at the altar? Are you just praying for a hamburger at lunch? See, at one time we would pray for everything, but we, we, we have grown cold in some areas. When we were first saved, we were all about this stuff. We were on fire. We were unstoppable. I think of Casey. I don't, is Casey in here? Casey's going with Pastor Moses in the bridge. This, this dude is, it was an atheist, but he's on fire right now. He's unstoppable. Just hungry. Just hungry to learn more. Hungry to, to know why we do this and why we do that. He is unstoppable. He's on point. All of us need to be like that. We once at one time were. I, I was, I'm going to read my Bible on breaks. I'm going to take my Bible into the bathroom. I'm going I'm to read my Bible everywhere. I'm going to go pray in tongues in algebra. If you need to pray in tongues, it definitely needs to be in algebra. I'm going to pass out Bob bags. I'm going to wait like a creeper for my mailman just so I can witness to him. We were all about it. We're on fire. We didn't want to drop the ball. We were all in. We were alive. But what happened? What happened? The slow fade happened. The slow fade. John 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was ill. I just want to stop there. Was ill. Lazarus was ill. But we know the story. It led to death. It was a slow fade. And church... The same is true for you and for me. We start in one area and we lack, and then it leads to death. It becomes a slow fade. I can skip reading my Bible this, you know, today because 
I'll, I did it yesterday, and I'll read an extra verse tomorrow. Slow faith. I can ignore the hurting people this time because I gave an extra $10 in my in, in the offering. Slow faith. I can, you can fill in the blank. But what happens is the slow faith begins, and then we go to sleep, and then we end up dying, and we have areas in our lives that are dead, that are dry, that need to bring back to life, need to be resurrected. I want to give you a couple reasons for the slow fade. Reason number one is we don't guard properly. We don't guard properly. In Ephesians 6, 12, it says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Church, uh, let me remind you this morning that the battle is not against your neighbor. The battle is not against your coworker. The battle is not against your boss. The battle is against the enemy, and he's all around us. We forget about this, that we are in a war. And when we don't guard properly, what happens is the enemy comes in and a slow fade begins. We need to wise up. We need to have an understanding that it's not against this person and that person. It's against the enemy. He's all around us, and we need to guard properly. We need to be dressed in the armor of God. We need to have the helmet of salvation on to guard our thoughts. We need to have the shield of faith because the arrows of the enemy, the flaming arrows of the enemy, they are coming. And we need to have our faith up to extinguish those. Because it's, they're real arrows, real, a real enemy. There was a time, I told the students this, that uh, I was giving this message to some, some kids early on in ministry, and we were talking about the armor of God, and I thought, you know, the shield of faith, I had a kid put a shield of faith up, and then I lit some arrows on fire, and I shot them across the, the stage at the kid. Not the wisest thing to do. But my point was that the enemy is just like that. They are real, real arrows on fire, and he is shooting them at us. We have to be on guard. We got to have the breastplate of righteousness in our life, the belt of truth. We got to have our, our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel. We got to have our sword of the spirit. We need to be wearing the armor all day, every day, because you never know when the enemy's going to strike. You never know where he's at. You never know what he's going to use. So every day, we need to pray on this armor of God. Every day, we need to start our day saying, God, protect me. God, help me to put my guard on. And when you're putting your guard on, make sure that you don't miss a piece. You've got to have your entire piece of armor. Don't miss a piece. And make sure that it, there's no cracks in it. Because what happens, if I have a coffee cup and I have a crack in my coffee cup, my precious coffee is going to leak out. And that's a crime. That's a shame. If we have our armor on and there's some cracks in it, some of the good things in us will leak out. But here's the deal. The enemy has then an opportunity to get in. If we have a crack in our armor, he has an opportunity to get into our marriage, to get into our family, to get into our attitudes, to get in. So we have to make sure that we are on point, make sure that we have our full armor of God on, and that it is whole. Amen? Because the enemy's ready to pounce on you. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He's seeking after you. He's seeking to destroy you. 
Somebody tell me what the, the, the goal of the enemy is. Pastor Steve, he tells us all the time, what's his goal? All I heard was, what, what's, the, what's the goal? Okay, I think I heard it. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's his goal. That's what he wants to do. So we need to be wise and we need to guard against that. If we don't guard, then the slow fade will happen. Another reason that a slow fade happens is because we have wrong priorities. Wrong priorities. If you put your spouse in front of your relationship with God, that's wrong. We need to have God first. We need to have our spouse, and then we need to have our family. Then we need to have our ministry, and then, we, then the list continues. But we've got to set some right priorities. And when our priorities are out of balance, then the enemy, that opens up an opportunity for the enemy to come in and to cause a slow fade in our lives. If your children are before your relationship with God, you wrong. Somebody say, you wrong. Okay, good. You're with me. If your ministry is before your spouse... You wrong through participation. Here we go. If your spouse is before God, you wrong. If your ministry is before your relationship with God, you wrong. We've got to have our right priorities and we've got to have them straight up and let everybody know. Everybody knows that God is number one. Everybody needs to know that my spouse becomes before my children. Everybody needs to know that my family becomes before ministry. You need to have them out and you need to let everybody know so there's no questioning so the enemy can't come in and so the so slow fade can't happen. Another reason for the slow fade is change. Change is one of the biggest components to a slow fade. Change is one of the biggest components to us falling asleep for allowing things in us to die. Sonny and I took over a ministry for a youth pastor um, years ago, and when we got in there, this youth pastor promised this young lady that she could be my intern. Thanks, pal. You know, um, and so we, we got in there, and we started evaluating what was going on and the schedules and all of that kind of stuff, and I quickly realized that that would mean that there's a lot of time that I'm with her by myself because it was a small church, and our pastor wouldn't even be there. So it would be one-on-one. -on -one. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. And so Sunday I talked about it. We talked to them, and it was a healthy change. It was a change that needed to be made healthy. But she got bitter. Her family got upset. They left the church, and the slow fate happened for them because of a healthy change. There are some times that change happens and it's healthy, don't allow change to cause things in you to die. It happens. Change happens. Don't allow it to cause you to go to sleep. Don't allow you, it to stop, stop doing ministry for you. Don't allow it to th have things die in you. There might be some in this, in this room that you were on fire, you were doing ministry, you are preaching and teaching and all of that kind of stuff, and then a change happened. A healthy change. A, maybe a door closed. Maybe leadership made a change or whatever. Healthy change. And it is, has caused a slow fade in you. It's caused something to die in you. So now you're not being used at all. I don't want you to blame the change. I want you to make sure that you're not allowing that to be a slow fade and causing death in you. Because there will always be change. And if you allow change to affect you that way, you'll never minister. You'll never do anything for the kingdom of God. 
Don't allow that to be a slow fade. Deal with it. You know, whatever the cause may be for a slow fade, not guarding or wrong priorities or, or change or whatever, we need to deal with it. And I want to bring you some good news. There's a way that we can deal with it. It's called Jesus. Jesus is the way that we can deal with the slow fade. John 11, verse 3. So the sister, so the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. The sister sent to him. What, what I get from that is, is uh, the sisters are inviting Jesus into the situation. They're sending and saying, Jesus, we need you. See, the fix for the slow fate is inviting Jesus. We have to invite Jesus. Martha and Mary, they realized that they couldn't do it without Jesus. They couldn't do it. They needed him in the situation. They needed him to be involved. They needed him to do only what he could do. You and I are the same way. There may be some dead areas in our life. There may be some dry areas in our life, some things that need to be awakened. And Jesus, we need to invite Jesus into the situation because money can't fix it. Material stuff can't fix it. People can't fix it. People try and try and try to do this and do that to re revive things in our lives. But at the end of the day, it doesn't work because Jesus is the only reason. Jesus needs to be invited, and Jesus will be the one to revive us. We can't fix the mess without him. Amen? We can't walk right without him. We can't talk right without him. You can't tie your shoe correctly without him. You can't button your button correctly. You can't sip some coffee without him. You need Jesus for everything. You need him for everything, and you need to invite him in. What makes you think that you can fix the dry and the dead areas in your life by yourself? You can't. You need Jesus. We all need Jesus. Inviting him into the dead areas. Inviting him into the dry areas. Inviting him in. Martha and Mary realized they needed Jesus. So they invited him in to only do what he could do. When's the last time you invited Jesus? Jesus, I need you to come with me as I witness to my coworkers. Jesus, I need you to come with me in the struggle with my parents. Jesus, I need you to come with me in dealing with this issue. Jesus, I need, when's the last time you invited Jesus? Invite him to everything. Invite him to anything. When Martha and Mary invited him, guess what? He came. When you invite him, he'll come. The second part of the fix came right here where, where Jesus, all he did was he simply spoke to Lazarus. He simply spoke to what was dead and it came back to life. John 11, verse 38, it says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the Mary... Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by doing this, this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took him, took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. 42, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
He cried out. He spoke. Jesus didn't lay hands on Lazarus. He didn't have a big, long prayer service. He didn't read certain scriptures. All he did was speak to Lazarus, and life entered him again. That's good news for you and for me. All we need to do is to have Jesus. We need to invite him in, and we need to say, Jesus, speak. Jesus, speak. Jesus, speak. Speak to my situations. Speak to my dry areas. Speak to the dead areas. Speak to me. I invite you in, so speak. And there's power in Jesus' words. Jesus can say, child, be healed. And just like that, the child's healed. Deaf ears, be opened. Lame, walk. All he has to do is say the words. There's so many, so much power in the words of Jesus. And all he has to do is say that. And that's what we need to do. Say, Jesus, because there's so much power in your words, would you speak to me? Would you speak to my lack? Would you speak to my lack of passion? Would you speak to my situation? Would you speak? And he is faithful, church. He will speak to us. Invite him in to the dry areas, to the dead areas. But don't just stop there. Invite him into every area. Invite him into your marriage and say, speak, Lord. Invite him into your job situation and say, speak, Lord. Invite him into your personal struggles and say, speak. Invite him into your lost kids and say, speak. Invite him into your finances and say, speak. Invite him into everything and say, Jesus, speak, and I will listen. Right before Sonny and I moved here, we, uh, Reagan was getting ready to start kindergarten, and we really struggled with the school systems there. And it was one school, and it was just, I, we didn't like it. And so we begin to pray and begin to fast, and we're saying, God, we we're desperate. We want the vet, vet, very best for our child, and, and we, we're stuck. We don't know what to do. And so we invite him into the situation. And we say, Jesus, would you just speak? Speak something to us. Give us some direction. And not too long after that, after fasting and praying and all of these things, we got a phone call from Pastor Steve and from Karen inviting us to come. And we didn't know that there was a school connected to the church. We didn't know that, that there would be an opportunity for Reagan to come to the school. And so, but we invited him and he spoke and now Reagan is here and she's at the best school I could ever imagine. La Palma Christian School, represent. And come on. Because Jesus spoke into the situation. Oh, and we did have a graduate. Franklin over there, graduate from La Palma Christian School. Mm. You want to fix some dry, sleepy, dead areas in your life, invite him and ask him to speak. But I want to encourage you this. I want to remind you of this. That Jesus the whole, and the Holy Spirit, they are gentle. They're not going to force their way in. They'll come when you invite them. But they're not going to just force away. you got to do it this way. They're not going to do that. They're gentle. But when we don't invite Jesus, when we don't invite the Holy Spirit, I believe that it saddens him. I believe he is saddened when he's not invited to things. I believe he's saddened when he sees the unused potential. I believe he's saddened when he sees people just sitting and eating and not doing anything for the kingdom of God. 
I believe he's saddened when he sees the gifts are not being used. When the dead areas that were once on fire are dead, he is saddened. When he met Lazarus, he was saddened. In verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. He was saddened by the death of Lazarus. I believe he's saddened by the death that he sees in some of our lives. Some of the things that we're not doing anymore. He's saddened by the teacher who's not teaching. He's saddened by the worshiper who's not worshiping. He's saddened by the evangelist who's not evangelizing. He's saddened when we neglect the things that he's put within us. It saddens him. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given by prophecy when the council of elders laid hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and the hearers. If there's anything dead in us, if there's anything neglected in us, it's time, church, that we ask Jesus to be the fix to awaken that in us so that we can become alive once again. So that the revival song that we're singing about, it's not just lip service, it's not just a song, but it's reality. It's reality. My prayer is that this would be a summer of passion for me, a summer of passion for you, a summer of renewing, a summer of rebirthing, a summer of resurrecting some things that were dead in us. And Jesus is the fix. And I tell you, when that happens, there are going to be some results. There's going to be some results, amazing results. I want you to look at verse 44. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. There was a personal effect that went on right here. When Jesus was on the scene and Jesus began to speak, there were some results that were personal. Life was pumped back into Lazarus' body. A fire was relit within him. And what was binding him had to come off. Well, see, when Jesus comes onto the scene and he speaks to you, there are some things that have to let go of you. There's some things that won't bind you any longer. When he just speaks the word, he says it, it's taken to the bank. When he says it, make sure that you live it out. When he says drugs, let them go. The drugs have to let them go. When he says negativity, let them go. It has to go. Doubt, fear, lack of self-esteem, lack of passion, sin, let them go. When Jesus says it, church, it's reality and it has to happen. He wants to unbind us. He wants to renew us. He wants to resurrect some things in us. He wants, into, he wants to awaken us this summer, a summer of passion. Setting some alarms in our life that say, God, go off in me so that I am aware of who you are. Come to life in me. Come to life in me. You know, uh, there was a word given to Pastor Steve, and the word was launch pad. And... We looked at that word as a launch pad of sending out from the church, and we are doing that, and we're, we're so excited about that. But, but I felt like the Lord gave me a word for, for Pastor Steve and add to that, 
not only will it be a launch pad of sending out, but I believe there's a launch pad in. In each and every one of us, that God wants to send people out of La Palma Christian Center, yes. But God wants to raise up some people within. He wants to take his people that are sitting here, and he wants them to go to another level. And church, this is the summer that that happens. This is the summer that we are a launch pad within. That we go to new levels. We go to new levels and be effective for the kingdom of God. Don't look to be launched outside. Look to be launched within. Lazarus was affected personally, but his family was affected. Your family will be affected when Jesus is speaking over your life. By Jesus unlocking something in you, it affects your family. By Jesus bringing something back into life for you, it's going to affect your family. I'm going to look at Mary's connection with Jesus. In verse 20, it says, So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Mary's just chilling. Martha's off running. Mary's chilling. Now, I don't know if Mary was sick. I don't know if uh, she was doing housework and doing dishes and ironing clothes. I don't know if she was dealing with unbelief. I don't know. But whatever the case was, she stayed back. She knew how powerful Jesus was. She knew who he was and all that he brought, but yet she stayed back. There's some that represent Mary here. We know how powerful Jesus is, but we stay back. We sit down. We don't run after him. We just stay put. But we need to be, we need to be different. We need to run after him. We need to be like Martha. But here, there was a tremendous difference in Mary once Jesus did what he did with Lazarus. Once he, he called forth Lazarus and he came out and all of that, we, in John chapter 12, we see a different Mary. We see a Mary that goes to Jesus' feet. We see a Mary that wipes his, her, his feet with her hair, ointment and all of that. We see a Mary that cannot, get, cannot stay away from him. She has to be with him. So before and after was totally different for Mary. Before and after can be different for your children can be different for your spouse once you say, God, unlock things in me. God, bring something back to life in me. Maybe your children would be different if there was a new life in you. Maybe your grandchildren would be different if there was new life in you. Maybe your spouse would be different when the dry areas in your life get resurrected. Maybe you struggle with a relationship with a brother or sister. Maybe it get, will get resolved when you wake up, when God awakens some things in you. See, it not only will affect the person, but it will affect the family, your wife, your kids, your grandkids, your extended family. But that's not it. It will affect the unbelievers as well. Not Pastor Moses to come. The non-believers will be affected when we wake up. When we are awakened, when we have new life within us, when our passion that was once on fire for God at the beginning, once it's rekindled, once it's relit, non-believers will understand and non-believers will see. For Lazarus, John chapter 12, verse 11, because on account of him, Lazarus, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. 
going away and believing in Jesus because of what Lazarus did, because of what Jesus did in Lazarus' life, the non-believers were affected. When we get, when we get turned up, if you will, if we get excited, we get passionate, we get on fire, non-believers will come to know Jesus. We can't expect to affect them if we're not affected in ourselves. We can't expect to be on, them to be on fire when we're not on fire. We can't expect them to get it when we don't get it. We've got to bring back to life some dead areas. We've got to avoid the slow fade. We've got to say, Jesus, renew in me. Jesus, set alarm in me, awaken me. So that this would be a summer of passion. So this summer would be different. It'd be not a normal, typical summer. But this summer, I would grow more in love with your word. This summer, I would grow more in love with prayer. This summer, I would grow more in love with understanding who you are. That I would pray for my spiritual gifts. That I would preach. That I would teach. That I would evangelize. That I would do whatever. Make that this summer. Make that your prayer. Make that your challenge. Because there are lost people. They're lost people. But I want, to aware, I want you to be aware of something. Not everybody's going to be excited about a change in you. Not everybody's going to be stoked. Not everybody's going to be happy. For Lazarus, they wanted to kill him. So that, John chapter 12, verse 10. So the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. They wanted him dead because of the new life that was in him. There will be some people in your office. There may be some people in the sports field. There may be people everywhere that when you come to life, they're not going to be happy with that. But you have to say, to God be the glory. You still have to run your race. You have to stay on your point. You have to stay on your path. Because God has plans for you, and he wants you to do something great for him. A few years ago, Sonny and I went to El Salvador on a missions trip. And when we got back, we were just, man, we were just going and going. We are excited. Let's witness to people. Let's, let's do this and let's do that. And we had this fire. I don't have that fire anymore. Maybe when you went to the DR, you had that fire, but you don't have that anymore. Maybe when, as a young Christian, you, you got in the Word and you, you breathe and eat the Word, but you don't have that anymore. Your prayer life's not what it used to be anymore. Let Jesus be the fix. Let's let Jesus help us to, to stop the slow fade and to fix these things so that we can be effective for him. I want you to bow your heads this morning. Father, I pray this morning that you would just begin to show each and every one of us if there's an area in our life that is slowly fading, if there's an area that we need to rekindle, God, I pray that you would just reveal it to us right now. Whatever it may be, lack of passion, lack of this and that, God, whatever it may be, I pray that you would begin to reveal it to our people. Reveal it to me, Jesus. And Father, I pray that you would help us to invite you in to invite you in and we ask you to speak. This morning, if you're experiencing a slow fade and you need Jesus to be the fix, I want you to stand to your feet.
Jesus to be the fix. You need to say, you want to invite Jesus in. You want to make this a summer of passion. You want to make this a summer of passion this morning. I want you to stand to your feet. Renewing those things that were once lost. As we sing this song through, I want you just to make this your prayer. That God would start a fire, send a fire, do great things in us. Set a fire in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. for all that you're doing in us, God. We thank you, Father, that this church is a launch pad. And God, that you are launching us. We thank you, God, for the challenge of making this summer a summer of passion. Father, I pray that you would be with us and help us, God, in this endeavor, Father, as we commit all this to you. We thank you, God, and we just give you praise. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless everyone. Have a wonderful afternoon.